Conversations in Atlantic Theory, a podcast dedicated to books and ideas generated from and about the Atlantic world. In collaboration with the Journal of French and Francophone Philosophy, these conversations explore the cultural, political, and philosophical traditions of the Atlantic world, ranging from European critical theory to the Black Atlantic to sites of indigenous resistance and self-articulation as well as the complex geography of thinking between traditions, inside traditions, and from positions of insurgency, critique, and counter-narrative. This discussion is with Dr. Katrina McLeod, a senior lecturer in French studies at the University of London Institute in Paris. Her research interests concern women in French language graphic novels or bande dessinée and migration and trauma narratives in bande dessinée and caricatures. She has published on these topics in a range of academic journals. In this conversation, we discuss her latest monograph on female representation in bande dessinée entitled Invisible Presence, Drawing Women in French Comics. So we're here today with Dr. Katrina McLeod. Welcome. So before we go ahead and get started, I want to ask you about the origins of this project, a sort of invitation to narrate us into the project, how you came into it, what sort of concerns, personal, ethical, philosophical, that drew you to the questions in Invisible Presence. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. So um, I've always been interested in representations of women in mass media. So the way that women are shown and presented and coded and asked to be consumed in many different kinds of, of media. So film, TV, uh, things that a lot of people are engaging with at once. So mass popular media. I started thinking about bon dessiné, so it's um, French language graphic novels. And the fact that it seems, or it seemed at least when I started working on this, it seemed like quite a given. People seem to understand generally that there were less women depicted in the bond dessiné than other visual media, less than film, less than TV, less than, um, than photography. And I started to think, why might that be? Uh, when I spoke to uh, some of my French acquaintances about uh, work, starting to work on this, this project, about looking at women in, in Bond Dessiné, they kind of laughed and said, that'll be easy because there are none. You, you'll be done very quickly. So I thought, I'm going to figure this one out. Um, so uh, then in uh, 2009, I was at uh, an event with the artist Louis Trondheim, who's very well known and has done a lot of different uh albums uh, in over the last uh, 20 years and I thought I'm going to ask this very uh, successful artist why there aren't more female characters in his book and he was very honest in his response he just sort of laughed or shrugged really and said well I find women harder to draw and I thought that was interesting so as I started to piece together a history of where women might be represented in French language graphic novels in, in Bon Dessiné, how that might have changed, uh, why there might be less women in this medium uh, than others. It became interestingly apparent that many artists 
uh, throughout the history of, of the medium have expressed something similar to, to Louis Trondheim. So, and some of the, the really big heavy hitters uh, in, in the history of the medium. So uh, artists like Hergé, uh, so the Tintin creator, and then René Goscinny, who was the scripter for the Asterix series, they have both uh, they both expressed reservations about depicting women in such a uh, caricatural. They implied it was a low class kind of medium, and can we really depict beautiful women in such a way that they're too precious to be um, to be represented in this form? And then. Later on in the 20th century, there's artists like Mobius, who's considered one of the great, the greatest artists of all time, uh, lamenting that he didn't think his female characters were good enough. And um, you know, very, very recently, Jan Spar had said the same, the same kind of thing in, in how he got his female characters to express themselves. It seems like a consistent problem uh, throughout the, the medium. And for anyone who's not super familiar with Bondi Cine, I should specify that yes, these are all male artists because throughout so much of the history of the medium, which is, is basically the 20th century and then into uh, the new decades of the 21st century, there's been an absolutely huge uh, dominance of male artists over female. So it's not surprising that these are all men. So I wanted to figure out where this problem was coming from, why women are so difficult to draw uh, and what this has to do with the fact that there are apparently relatively few women in the history of the Bombay scene. So that's what got me thinking about women problems, invisible women, uh, invisible presence as being the title of the book, um, trying to figure out where uh, this diff difficulty comes from and how artists might be trying to circumnavigate it using specificities of the medium. You know, it's, it's a very specific uh, it's a very interesting form, I think, the, the Bondi scene or the graphic novel more generally. Hybrid medium, text image, it's static um, as a visual medium, but also narrative. So lots of interesting things coming into play. Uh, so that's what brought me to this project. And I remember reading, um, you do have a line where you put it in there. You're like, well, it's because, you know, women are harder to draw. And I was like, well, is it? do we have two heads? Like, I was like, what is it that <laughs> that's just so, um, you know, I guess difficult, but then I'm like, maybe it's the capturing. Um, so I'm really hoping, you know, ready to get into that. I'm like, we don't have six toes. So it's, um, well, what is it that's just, um, and then you really talk about the vision, which, you know, I really want to hear you speak more on. And <laughs> you titling the introduction as woman problems, I was like, here we are, that's, <laughs> this is kind of like the crux of it. But can you talk about this? Um, you speak about two interconnected issues that you discussed throughout your book. So this problem of creating images of women and the problem of doing it in the specificities of like the bon dessine medium. How does this medium affect um, women, like images of women being drawn? So can you speak more to that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just to, to pick up on uh, your remark just now about you know women, how can women be so hard to draw? We don't have six toes and, and two heads generally. Uh, it's a good point. It's confusing. These are excellent artists. They are very talented. You know, it, it really makes you stop and think. And that's uh, 
why I think really looking closely at, at what's happening here with the female presence on the page. Uh, I, I, well, it's why I found it so fascinating. So, um, yes, thinking about women problems, uh, the notion that drawing women or representing women visually, I should say, because it's, it spans many visual media, the, this notion that it's a hard thing to do in any sense uh, of depicting a real woman has been around for, for a fair amount of time now. So thinking about uh, feminist art criticism from the 70s, we've got uh, you know, key contributions uh, from people talking about cinema, uh, talking about painting, suggesting that we might be able to look at multiple images of women and see no real women, for lack of a better term, reflected uh, back at us. Because what we're really looking at in these traditionally created images, which are put together within the cultural domain of a male valuing creative society, what we're really seeing is a depiction of desire not a depiction of a woman with her individuality and her body that might not conform. But we're looking at the reflection of desire on the part of the presumed spectator. And mm -hmm. the presumed spectator in uh, our uh, male valuing society. And I should pause here for a second and just define my terms, uh, saying that I don't necessarily mean male in uh, a cisgendered male way so male attributes those people who identify as male being um, something that is is prized um, depicting women with that imagined spectator in mind uh, pr presents something that is more reflective of a desire on the part of the viewer rather than the, the real woman so thinking about this, um, drawing on some feminist, useful visual feminist art criticism, particularly done in, in cinema. So everyone's familiar, I think, with the Laura Mulvey and her uh, her cinematic uh, analyses, which takes us a little bit further and talks about there being desire in front of us when a woman is represented, but also fear, because a woman represents uh, or the feminine or something, uh, a body associated with female rather than male, mm -hmm. it, connotes, it connotates um, a nothingness, a lack. So if society and the, the society that's produced the artwork is uh, valuing male, where we have something from one female, they uh, are a negative value, a negative presence. So this exists already. There's no way that Bondesimi as a medium is immune from this kind of uh, creative difficulty, I suppose, that's been noted so many times uh, in other media. It just hadn't necessarily been studied that much when I, when I started this, certainly. Uh, I started working on this project in 2008. Um, mm the landscape of research has changed quite a bit since then, which is good. There's a lot more out there. Certainly, 
fairly few examples of, of articles and texts and consideration of this. Uh, so how this has manifested itself in the Bondi SME differently uh, is, was an interesting question. And then to finally come back to your original point about the specificity of, of the medium, putting this woman problem, uh, this problem of creating a real woman rather than a shadow of a woman, um, an implication of a desire, together with this really specific trajectory that the Bond SME has been on during its history is is both an interesting project and one that hasn't hadn't been been properly fleshed out when, when I started to work on it. So my project starts I picked nineteen oh five as my start date because that was the date of the the year that a really important female character for girls was published for the first time in the Bondesini, Nicotine. And then I took it all the way up to the year that I started writing it, so 2008. We're talking about the late 19th century, generally, for the, the birth of regularly published Bondesinis. And uh, looking at how the medium has changed in you know, since that time to now, it's a really interesting journey. So unlike cinema, for example, which started as a medium directed towards adult spectators from the off, we've got a change in Bond Destiny from being uh, directed towards children at first. It's, it's for kids when it starts regularly appearing in the late 19th century. And it remains for kids throughout the first half of the 20th century until really the 60s and 70s when the realization that there is an adult market here is picked up on and now uh, obviously it's it's very much accepted as uh, as an art form that's made some important contributions artistically in the, in the last 20 years or, or so so there's been a change in readership uh, direction of readership there's been a change in cultural capital associated with the medium because of these differences, there's been a change in the dominant thematic concerns of the medium. The way that artists draw in the medium has changed over the 20th century. And all these things have impacted how women have or have not, in many cases, been drawn. So in the very early stages, of the 20th century when it's more directed towards when it's only directed towards children we see even though strips are, are made for girls in illustre or, or little um, magazines directed for women we see much more uh, strip content in corresponding illustres for boys and we see more male characters because artists are drawing for boys and then we see an interest in, in comedy and action because artists are not always, but in many cases, drawing for young men. Women don't necessarily traditionally get placed in such uh, in such themes in, in the, these kind of narratives. So all these changes that the medium has gone through 
have really impacted what an artist has been able to do in terms of trying to put a real woman on the page or failing to put a real woman on the page. Um, I could go on, but I, I won't. There's, there's too much to say. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember you did speak about like this readership change, and I guess it did come to mind of how, you know, while you were working on this project, did you did you start to notice and really this realization of like, yeah, this is where stereotypes continue to be reinforced of the woman if the readership. Um, you know, is being targeted to boys, right? If it's like this perfect woman, it's not a real woman. It's someone who's um, in the shadow, really. But do you think in these bandicine mediums is where stereotypes of women are continuously, like, perpetrated and just reinforced? Stereotyping is, is a huge issue when it comes to representing women. I mean, it generally is anyway, I think, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of visual medium or any kind of medium mm-hmm. you're talking about. But it's something I had to think about a lot for this project for various mm-hmm. reasons. As you mentioned, if we're talking about uh, strips for young men, you're likely to see specific kinds of uh, stereotypes included. Uh, in those mm-hmm. strips, it's just a, it's a sort of thematic given. Uh, but even out with that, because as as I say, strips for girls certainly did exist um, uh, from the, from the beginning. What is complicated, I think, when it comes to Bondesine, is we're not only talking about a medium that was originally directed towards kids and stereotyping can be a useful way of introducing a character to a child in a simplified manner. It's also a medium that deals with a reduction of space for narrative uh, as compared to literature say, mm-hmm. and uh, compared often to cinema, which has you know lots of panels very close together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, a machine that, that creates all, all these images for you. Drawing things by hand takes longer, it's spatial, so you have less space to depict your stories, depending on how long you want to take them. Certainly when you're depicting them for kids in uh, serialised magazines every week, a stereotype uh, becomes very useful. So it's something that we see in the beginning of the medium for these reasons, and it's something that we continue to see for many other reasons uh, later on when we're talking about more adult focused content and albums rather than serialized publications so longer texts that have more space I had to think a lot about the origins of the medium and its development from the caricature for example which obviously uses a, a preloaded stereotype to get its point ac- across quickly um, and I had to think about how a stereotype is useful for a, a female character specifically. Um, stereotypes present a ready-made idea and they also contain that ready-made idea. 
and this containment can be a really useful way of getting around the anxiety of you know what I what I dubbed the woman problem you know this fear that the the woman represents in her lack and this notion that she might possibly represent uh, the spectator's desire more than anything else so one way to contain that um, diffuse it diffuse the fear to diffuse the desires is to package it up in a stereotype that you your reader already recognizes um, what's quite nice though is uh, particularly in the last 20 years seeing the ways that certain artists have been able to play with the stereotypes and play with the stereotypes within the medium using the specificity of the medium to try and critique them and take them apart. So, yeah. And I think that's another analysis that visuals can bring that a text can't. So, um, yeah, I think that that really did make me look at the, at least the bandissimi, that containment, right? What is shown in that frame? Um, and I think my favorite chapter was chapter eight. <laughs> so you discussed the bandissimis of two German Belgians, um, Eric Warnotz and is it Guy Rives? And so you speak about the bandesine, so you chose to examine this one and how they do have the Black Venus trope. So how did you see the Black Venus trope perpetrated in this medium of bandesine while, while you were working in this project? And I guess, you know, you're saying you're, you pretty much stopped at 2008. Did you maybe see some stuff like later on and you're like, oh man, this could have been um, good for this chapter. But I guess I'm curious um, from like 1905 up until now, you know, how that goes. Um, but it, cause that was a really good thing to see this black Venus trope in like, we see it in text, we see Hartman talk about it. Like there's so many different conversations. Um, I just haven't heard about it in the Bandesine. So I, I really enjoyed that chapter. Well, I thought it was really necessary to include because you can't talk about can't do this whole project about women and then not consider uh, women of colour. Um, it was it was interesting and complicated at the same time though because whilst there are few women relatively speaking over the course of the history of the Bombay scene if you compare it to male characters, picking out, finding uh, female characters of, of colour was was even harder. Um, it's been very dominated by a certain kind of artist and a certain kind of character that's been presented to a certain kind of reader. So, so to, touching the first thing you said, uh, stopping in 2008, might we see something quite interesting since then? Yes, there are more interesting things since 2008. There's always more to work on, so yeah. But I wanted to have a look at the Vano and Rev because um, they're, they're an interesting pair. Uh, they have done over 30 albums and there are regular representations of people of colour in their albums, which is not true of many of their fellow artists. So looking at the way they represent uh, women of colour, which is, um, is my particular interest is the, the women characters it 
in their case reviewed quite interesting usage usages of the the visual aspects of the medium so i had already by this point thought quite a lot about uh, the sexualization of women characters in the bond destiny it's quite notorious as a medium particularly since it's adult swing in the 60s and 70s for being pretty um exploitative is perhaps not the right word but being very overtly uh sexualizing for female characters in, in many ways Bonnelev's style in the two strips that I, I compared of theirs uh, seemed to use the visual potentials of the, the medium to not only sexualize the black characters, so two specific women characters, one in each, um, not only sexualize them, but to, to really other them, you know, the, the wiggle really exoticize them and it's it's interesting to see it's concerning uh, certain certainly as well but the visual quality of their their work is uh, is very rich they use uh, deep colors they use large panel sizes strategic page turns so you don't quite know what you're going to see and then you turn the page and whoop, something really pops out at you and angles, uh, fragmentation of images uh, between different panel uh, sizes. You know, the Bond Destiny as a medium, graphic novels in general, um, it gives you, it gives the artists a lot of freedom. Uh, they can decide how to structure their page, how to color their page, how to, if they want to add in extra elements, if they want to make, if they want to change style from one tiny panel to the next on the top corner of the same page they can because it's uh, the artist in their hat drawing it so uh, the these artists uh, Ron and Rev were were using certain specifics of the medium uh, to present these these really sexualized and sometimes depersonalized certainly exoticized uh, the depictions of these black characters which which showed that the you know the black Venus narrative that's been identified in, in cinema and in, in discussions of, of black women for a long time, even though it's still alive and well to a, to a certain extent in the Bond Destiny. Um, there are other examples uh, of this, and there are ways that artists can can also question uh, the black venus narrative as well but as these these artists have this fairly prolific out, output 30 albums i feel that's quite significant i wanted to to look at what they were doing and how mm -hmm. and i think um this also i guess makes me go to when you're speaking about um aurelia orita's 2006 work fraise chocolat so you know how she pretty much i guess in my opinion my my viewing of this doing the opposite of desexualizing the site of female nudity so how i guess would you see this contemporary work compared to um I guess that of the early 19th century. Obviously, you know, it's it's more it's more embracing of a, what a real woman is. But apart from that surface level analysis, 
what are some of the things I guess that struck you? Uh, there's a, quite a large part of me that wants to ask uh, whether you have read the these Bond essays, and if not, to suggest that you do that you do so because the whole thing will strike you. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I haven't I haven't read Arita's. Um, I guess the visual is there, yes, but <laughs> but just. Um, I guess how do I phrase this for you? Oh no, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Um, okay. So I just, uh, it's it's a very striking book. So my mm-hmm. recommendation is read it and see what I mean. Um, <laughs> it's uh, bond listening is still in in its way. It's quite niche. Um, so the the fact that the, these texts are not familiar to everybody is, is absolutely no surprise. Um, it's it's very it's a very interesting book. Well, it's two books. So Fizzy Chocolate, and then she did a, a second one. Um, and I I find it a real challenge uh, in the sense of um, a provocation almost uh, to the the way that women had been depicted so so often in the history of the Bond scene, um, because. We've seen examples of really intricate depictions of female characters where you cannot question the draftsmanship. It's really impressive artwork. But what we're seeing is this incredible talent on the part of the artist used in the service of presenting women who are incredibly sexualized and depersonalized and, and what have you. What you get when you look at Aurelia Orita's work, Fezzi Shokura, is an extremely simple style for most of it. So she draws in quite a spiky uh, black and white, uh, very cartoony, for want of a better word, style. There are several diary style pages in in those books where she presents more detailed drawings, so a slight change in tone where she shows her artistic range. But for most of it, she's got this really caricatural, uh, simple style, and she's able to use it to present a, a very sexual narrative about a female figure. So it's, it's autobiographical, uh, but she is quite uh, coy about that until certain certain points towards the, towards the end of the book. She uses really simple sketches, just pen and paper, really, uh, to present um, a much more realistic uh, depiction of the sexual act, um, the female experience of the sexual act. Uh, and what is so interesting in what she does uh, in those books is that this simplification, so presenting images that are are not intricate, that are not richly coloured, it's um, it's a challenge to all these beautified, uh, idealised, sexy women, uh, and their sexy women sex scenes that that permeate the, the this medium. 
bring sex and women's experience of sex and women's bodies during sex back down to the everyday. There's elements of comedy in her style. Um, she talks about certain mishaps that can happen in relation to female bodies during sex, which uh, you know takes away from this angelic image of uh, of women uh, engaged in this act that, that you often see. It's often exalted, you know, it's so beautified in, in so many scenes, uh, not just in Bombay and in many other visual media. So I found most of that most of the pages of those books really striking and also because it's really uh it's a brave output from a young female artist so 2006 and listen it came up my dates the first one is published there have been a lot more women in the field of bondage since 2006 but uh but even, even now, I think it, it would be a striking book. She's a young woman who presents her very graphic story. And she presents it very honestly. And it's the story of her and another well-known Bondesian artist, essentially. And uh, it kind of redefines what you can do with the pen uh, in relation to, to thinking about about women and their place in the inspections of sex in the media. Well, um, thank you for that, I guess, content warning. <laughs> um, and, you know, I guess in getting this book, yeah, it's, um, yeah, once again, I guess visuals are going to be everything. And while I was thinking about questions for your book, it's easier sometimes when you talk about a book and you can put sound. Um, I can't show an image through a podcast, <laughs> um, but I would, cause you do show figures in your book and it would be really, if I could find a way to put figures, I would, but I can't. Um, so I'll make sure that when I take this book, I guess I'm ready for what I'm about to see. <laughs> Um, and for everybody else as well, so no one just says, "Oh, this is this was introduced by." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very brave, so yes. <laughs> now, when you you spoke earlier about like this negative um, of like, well, you have the fem well, you have the male, and like this lack of not someone not being a male, um, this negative outlook. Um, and I guess this would be described about the concept of phallocentricism. Um, can you speak a little bit more about that in this context of the band Dessine? Yeah, um, so the band Dessine I see as, as it certainly has been throughout it, almost all of its existence. Uh, a fairly good example of a phallocentric system and uh, images of women in general created throughout all, all different media have been uh, produced by, I, I hope nobody would disagree, but have been produced by a society that values a man in a very different way than it values a female uh, or a woman, so some, or someone who identifies as, as with the feminine and being female. So looking at 
images of women through this uh, understanding of, of phallocentrism can help uh, uh, an art critic, an academic, a viewer, anyone understand what they're really looking at. Because this notion that where the, the masculine attributes of a society are valued above all else and those uh, attributes the existences that might be more associated with female become a negative presence in this dichotomy. Uh, understanding this notion of presence and absence, man and not man, rather than man and woman, um, it really helps us to understand the notions that uh, other feminist art historians have put forward when they thought about looking at representations of women that don't represent women so looking at um, a female nude for example and seeing not a woman but a representation of a, of a man's a man's desire or the imagined masculine masculine position spectators that be more specific uh, thinking about the implied Threat that you that is often theorised in relation to images of women uh, that are created in a phallocentric system. So, women representing lack can also represent uh, fear of loss, loss of power, loss of status. Uh, also, allows us to understand why certain artistic choices are made. Um, so I talk a lot in the book about the different ways that artists seem to have, probably unwittingly in many cases, I, mean, I, I doubt artists were sitting with their pens thinking about phallocentrism uh, or you know, psychoanalytic theory when they, they drew what they, what they drew, but the ways they try and counteract this, uh, this fear that the, the female form uh, is, is, is supposed to inspire. So one of the, the things is uh, stereotyping because they contain, they put, they tie some someone up in a nice little box. And women, women's stereotypes are all, almost always tied up in little boxes that relate them to men. So they are mm -hmm. their mothers and wives and and what have you. Um, the the black Venus is another example of a containing stereotype as well. Uh, it, neutralizes the the fear of this exotic presence by uh, presenting it in the, in the sexualized uh, the sexualized way and we saw how the, the artists that I, I looked at in that case were able to use specific uh, facets of the media to, to look at that uh, so look Thinking about the artistic production within this understanding of a phallocentric paradigm that it implies a lack, lets you think about the different ways that female figures can then be fetishized or dehumanized or rendered alien in some way to make the, the fear that they inspire uh, disappear. What's also, I think, key to this understanding of women's images 
and this understanding of uh, being, being produced in a phallocentric system is that the images are necessary to keep the understanding of their presence and absence, power and lack going. Um, the understanding of phallocentrism is it's based on sight, it's ophiocentric. So you need to look at women, uh, representations of the feminine as lack as uh, denoting this notion of, of fear often to assert the power of the you know the positive presence of the, the masculine that is that is implied uh, when when you think about things as being created by a phallocentric system which kind of brings me back to the very first thing i, I said when i started uh, talking about this project is I'm always interested in images of women because I think there's a real world effect in the way mm -hmm. women are presented. And that's true of self cinema, it's true of TV, it's, and it's true of on this unit, I think. Uh, but these images have to be repeated in order to uphold a certain kind of status quo. On this need sometimes flies under the radar in terms of being uh, studied, although that's changed, you know, there's a lot more attention uh, on it now, but also in being regarded as uh, as worth a certain level of critical attention. But it's really big business. Uh, mm. It's very popular uh, in France and Belgium. These images are out there and they serve a purpose. And so that's why I think it's interesting to look at them and to look at them through this particular lens. And I think um, re uh, this, your project also kind of, it reminds me of images of women on social media and how that status has to be upheld and how all these different cameras, now when you take a picture, there's an automatic filter um for you to look a certain way um and it's it's quite I kind of drew a similar I don't know if it's parallel or not but it definitely it's like seeing a woman with pores is now new for some people <laughs> when it, it's just it's just a little insane that there's always this filter um to make to like beautify your face and make it look like I don't i like literally like a baby's butt, just smooth, you know, and there's, they, it automatically contours for you. So then I started to like the figures on your, in your book that you shared, I'm like this, there's this parallel. Do you see some sort of parallel with like digital media and the bandesine medium? Yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting point that you make. Uh, yes. <laughs> when you were talking and using the word filter, I was thinking that's what the artists are doing when they're uh, trying to get around. They're using these techniques to get around the you know, implied threat or, or unease the, of, of creating a woman, the woman problem. They're, they're using um, a filter uh, with mm -hmm. their paint, so to speak. It's the, the visual age continues the proliferation of, of images of women uh, of, of everyone the images of, of everyone are, are multiplying all the time 
and it's really interesting to see across these different formats now uh, new ways of presenting you know, someone who identifies as female in a certain way and uh, in a certain way that you know removes her pores and removes her bodily difference and you know in in many ways idealizes her in exactly the same way that these paintings of nudes that um, John Berger was talking about back in the 70s with, with his uh, Ways of Seeing uh, documentary, which was re really useful for famous art criticism. It's the same thing, essentially, except the added element now is that we're taking the pictures of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting time to be thinking about the power of images. Mm -hmm. So while you were working on this project, and I know you already touched on like, you know, the feminine feminism criticism in that field, but how do you see drawing more attention to drawn images as a woman field of studies contributing to the wider field of feminist art criticism? Hmm. I think all contributions are useful across uh, all different media. I think in the case of the Bondesini of the graphic novels and, and how they've represented women, it's a contribution to, it's an explanation of a different kind of technique, a different kind of uh, response to the same problem, uh, but the responses do vary uh, between, between medium, media, I should say. It, It's a, I think it's a contribution which also allows uh, allows us to think about uh, the way that readers interact with the, with what they're looking at as well in a different way that might, then can be theorised in you know in terms of cinema as well. If you think about the way you read a bomb destiny, uh, mm -hmm. you you hold the book in your hand and you turn the page, and yes, of course, the artist can do many things to dictate the pace at which you read. Mm -hmm. or a good artist certainly can, but you are still in control, you're very active. So it's it, doing this kind of, of study lets us think about the different ways that uh, people consume this, these kind of images and interact with them as well, which you know, I think is, is quite interesting. Um, It, it also, I think, it adds to the continuing, I don't know, rehabilitation is not the right word, uh, reclaiming of the, the Bondesini medium that's been, ha it's been happening for a long time, uh, the, this push to accept it as a more uh, worthy example of, of cultural expression. So, I mean, that's less female focused uh, but uh, so much interesting work is done in Bombay at the moment and has been done for a while I think it's it's probably only a good thing if uh, more attention is, is drawn to to it as a serious form of expression what is uh, happening at the moment in many kinds of 
Von Dyson is drawn by women. Uh, so in my book, I talk a lot about images of women drawn by men because mostly the artists throughout the 20th century and into the 21st century have been men. But there's been a really interesting influx of female artists, uh, particularly since the turn of the millennium. And one of the interesting things that they brought with them, many of these or some of these female artists, I should say, is uh, a use of the form in a in a activist sense. So presenting political points that focus specifically on female experience. So things like um, childbirth, uh, abortion, um, you know, the considerations of uh, reproductive health problems and how they're dealt with. Um, doing this kind of images of women criticism uh, and study from the point of view of artists who are men and artists who are women and artists who identify as, as neither as well. Hmm. Uh, and I'm going to assume like this is for an audience that that's like an adult audience. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But uh, focusing on this, I think it shows the way visual arts at the moment are being shaped in a new way uh, to to engage in a, in a real world sense with things that are happening now, which I think is interesting. And, you know, you can, again, with the difference between this medium and many others, you you can draw a bond that's seeming more quickly um, in many cases, not always, then you can craft a feature length film. You can upload a lot of bond is happening online now. Um, so guys mm -hmm. are sketches and strips being uploaded online. So engaging with the medium in general is interesting and then seeing how it's being used in a, a, a was a real world sense is what I mean um, and quite quickly in re reaction to certain events is also useful so that was a bit of a rambling answer <laughs> ways that I think this contributes uh, I hope other people would agree so. and it's it, I like what you the last thing you said because I remember um, I don't know what I was looking at I think it was something on Twitter probably something on social media, but it would be these local artists, and I believe they were in France. Um, they were Black artists who would draw bandes. They were not, you know, uh, professionals, but they were great. And they would let, I guess, their followers predict the next scenes. Um, and I was like that, like using the form with engagement, I just found that super brilliant. Um, and it's just interesting to see like the different things Bandesini can do and how it can, and I think it should be applied to, you know, different fields. Um, for me, this was, this book was an eye opener. Yes, I was introduced to like Bandesini's, but not in a, not in a way that this, your book like did an analysis on. So I think that drew my attention to, oh, um, yeah, let's pay attention, like a little close attention to the way the women are presented. Um, so I guess I'll say thank you for that. <laughs> um, that interactive element that you you mentioned there that that's really interesting. That ha happened around COVID uh, as a sort of challenge during the time when people were locked down. 
I thought, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that's a really interesting development as well. Mm-hmm. And then you, it was also just interesting to see, um, you know, they would have like these Afro science, um, Afro science fiction, but to see how the women were being depicted, I think that was the first time I actually probably paid attention, um, like the different powers they had. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's just, uh, that, that was definitely very fascinating, but with everything that you've talked about so far, what's something that you would want readers to take away? Or when you were writing this book, did you have a specific image in mind of what your reader was going to be? Or did you just kind of write it in terms of just wanting to contribute to the scholarship? But what type of, what would you want your readers to walk away in terms of like new ideas, orientations, uh, curiosities, or altered sensibilities? You definitely left me with new curiosities. So that one, I think. (laughs) Good. I'm always happy to promote the the medium. I think there's a lot of interesting material out there that people don't necessarily know about. so lots of different things uh, I was aiming for. I think the main takeaway that I was hoping to get across is the, this idea that even when you're looking at women, they're not necessarily always there. They're not necessarily often there, even, uh, we, should, we should say. And I, I wanted to show here's how in the bomb decimate here's how they've done this that the artists have done this that they've presented someone that looks like they're there but they're not really there because i think that's um an interesting point that you don't necessarily uh see immediately you have to switch on your uh, critical thinking skills when when you're looking uh, at this kind of imagery to really see what's happening because reading a bon dessiné generally is supposed to be a pleasurable experience. The, the artist is not trying to highlight what they're doing. They're, they're trying to get you to read the story and to enjoy the story and then read the next one whenever that will be ready. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I would think, uh, have made this point in the book that, that people could think about that. Uh, I, you know, I also, yeah, like you say, we'd hope that perhaps people might be a wee bit more interested in thinking about Bondesines as well. It's come on leaps and bounds in terms of the way people talk about it as a form in, in quite a, a short time, even in the time I've been working on it. But it's, uh, it's, it's still relatively understudied. Um, I think so, yeah. And also to contribute to the scholarship as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I think another one of my main takeaways was the artistic, paying closer attention to the artistic manipulations um, of, of why the, 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 the artist would choose to do that. Because like you said, you can just be flipping and enjoying the story, but if you don't pay a closer attention to the, to the images, um, all you see is what's visible, right? The presence. Um, but like, n- there's this one book. It's called. 
my favorite things are monsters, and it's it's a beautiful like you know, um, what I it's just a comic book, I guess I wouldn't call it a comic book, but paying attention to like the invisible presence is is something. It's like a second story, so um, I guess that's where my new curiosities are. <laughs> you know, you'd have what you see, and then you can go back and read like the things you don't see or what you know they just kind of like push you through. Yeah, but mm-hmm. read it and then read it again. That's always my thought with um, with a Bombay scene. There's always more going on than you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to return that question to you, how do you walk away from this book? Um, the process of writing and editing, um, I've been told, can change you. <laughs> so where does this book leave you? Um, a lot of people have said it left them exhausted, which is completely under. I mean, you've been working on it since 2008. So, you know, that's that's a minute. Um, <laughs> did it leave you maybe working on um, like a part two of the on the same thing? Oh, I don't know if I could cope with a, with a part two. Uh, <laughs> n- not, uh, not the whole thing again, no. Uh, <laughs> I worked on it for a very long time. And one of the things that was endlessly frustrating, but also encouraging at the same time was that things kept changing. That it's a, a medium in flux. It's really, it's really evolving in front of our eyes. So I kept having to update things and change things every time that I'd had to take the time away from the book for you know a maternity leave or the teaching semester, and and then come back again. So it's an interesting time to be writing. I don't think I could do the whole thing as a sort of part two again, but what I think I can do now that I've done this is start to focus in on more specific questions of uh, female representation. And it would probably be female representation by these new artists who are uh, women or female identifying artists and, and how they're, they're able to use their new place in, in medium to affect some kind of change. Because one of the things I found a little bit difficult at the start of this project was that unlike with uh, literature and with the like painting, for example, where feminist art criticism, it started first with images of women criticism. So you saw how women were represented by men for the many years, uh, centuries, even that, you know, that had been the, the dominant presence. And then we tend to see scholars moving on to think about uh, uh, female-led creations, female ar- artists, female writers. But Vondesini scholarship kind of did it backwards because the medium is in flux, uh, because it's it's really evolving um, really quickly in front of our eyes, and scholarship of the medium as much as, as the artistic production. So there were really interesting articles popping up here and there. There was never that much at the time, but here and there uh, about specific artists and specific characters and uh, the female characters of specific female artists in the Bombay Snake, but there was no basis to start from that showed where it had been before this. That that was my issue. And so now I've 
I've got my head around what it was like before, and it's I wrote it down. I think I can now hone in because there's loads more to do uh, mm. on on this, and it, you know there will be more to do tomorrow as well because something new will have appeared by this time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll definitely love to have you back on. <laughs> um, and then I think until then, um, pace yourself and take care of your mental health. <laughs> but thank you so much, Katrina, for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs>